Costa looking to get Costa to Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. We are not discussing a Reading match for once today, and we are actually going to be discussing the event that Star put on at Blue Collar yesterday. Very well organised event, very well run event, and uh, it was a pleasure to be there. Really well hosted by Nick, and I've been joined today by Matt and Paul to discuss it. Matt, how did you enjoy last night's event? Yeah, um, it was it was good. There was nothing too groundbreaking, I think, from from Bowen, um, as we'll go into. Um, there was a few kind of facts and figures that were kind of alluded to, but um, but yeah, I mean, a couple of a couple of the other guests. I mean, Jared. Jarrett Dublin, um, we'll go into very, very interesting guy. Um, and yeah, it was just a really well organized event, I think. So, yeah, Paul, you were also there last night. What did you think of it all? Yeah, I thought it's, I thought it's uh, lots of interesting stuff there. And yeah, shout out to Jared if you're traveling somewhere in your car, you might well be listening to this one right now. But I thought there was some big kind of figures there that we will come into in a minute, and um, some of them are quite scary. But we can get through it. So don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed too much. Yes, uh, we will go through kind of what uh, Mark Bowen spoke about. He was on first for approximately an hour. And then Jared Dublin and Brian Carey joined him after a short break. And they spoke for about 40 minutes with with Nick and answered questions as well. So we'll, we'll move on to... Mark Bowen's section, as it were, first. And and the first kind of questions that came up were around the points deduction. And Matt, if from what uh, Mark Bowen said last night, it felt to me as if the club kind of expected this to happen for the last few months, the points deduction, uh, and that they'd failed it by quite a long way as well. Um, Yeah, you know, I think there's no bones about it. I think pretty much as soon as... Um, it was Pisa, wasn't it, that um, Puskas was on loan to, I think, last year. And I think they had an option to buy of it was about five or so million. It was something ludicrous, really. Um, once that didn't happen because Pisa choked um, their, their their promotion campaign. Thanks a lot, Pisa, for that. Um, yeah, it was kind of mission impossible, really, because as we'll go into, I mean, the numbers we needed to sell player-wise were astronomical to be honest. Um, and it just begs the question again, one, who agreed to that business plan and why the hell is he still at the club, to be honest, after agreeing to that business plan? So the the numbers that Matt's alluding to, the business plan that Reading agreed with the EFL, Reading had a, a clause with the EFL in their business plan that they were going to sell £12 million worth of players. Obviously, we didn't actually sell any as far as I can remember, Paul, everybody just left on a free. £12 million probably unrealistic, right? Uh, wasn't ever really going to happen. And the way that they wanted to get around it, which Mark Bowen confirmed last night, was to sell the 25% investment they still have in the land around the stadium, to sell that to pass the uh, profit and sustainability rules. Yeah. Um, but it also sounded from what Mark Bowen was saying that it was also impossible to us to actually sell it in time because the club had got a valuation of it, but the EFL wanted an independent valuation, which was going to take a long time. And I also completely respect the EFL wanted that independent. I mean, we've been burnt. We've tried to burn them so many times. I get that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it just goes to show there was absolutely no point in selling Lucas Jow in the summer because we could never reach the target. Uh, we couldn't sell any of the players of any value. So I can see why we've gambled totally. I still think we definitely made the right decision because if we hadn't taken the gamble this season and say, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to get rid of another 12 million into the club, would have been relegated last season for absolute certainty. I guess it kind of, it brings a bit of clarity as well to what Bowen has been saying, um, or well was saying in the transfer windows that, look, there's no benefit of selling players. Well, yeah, because there was no benefit because we were never going to hit the targets that we needed to do. You know, if we'd have got three million for Lucas Shell, for example, well, we still needed nine, nine more million, which we weren't getting from any, anywhere else. Which pretty much adds up to what you were saying, Matt, about Pisa not getting promoted. If Pisa had got promoted and George Puskas had been obligated to be bought by them for the four or five million pounds or whatever it was, maybe the club can have a go at making it seven, six, eight million, whatever it would have been extra through selling, you know, Zhao and Holmes and Mayte potentially. But ultimately, you're not going to get 12 million pounds by selling two players. We also still have to fulfil that 12 million pounds, but we have until next March to do that, I believe. So that's a big window. And that I feel pretty confident that we'll be able to do that from what the mood was last night, anyway, from Mark. Yeah, that £12 million, just to confirm, it isn't from player sales before people panic that we don't have any players to sell. It, it, the £12 million <laughs> is going to be coming from that selling of the Royal Elm Park land outside the stadium. And as Paul says, the accounts for this season are due next March. So we should be okay, I think, by that point. But I guess we'll see uh, when we get to that point. Mo- moving on to kind of everything else around what Mark Bowen said, Paul, it felt last night, and I mean, correct me if you think differently, but it felt like he was very much bought into a, an idea that this season was very much immediate, it was short term, and his job this season has been, it sounds from what he said, very, very difficult in terms of bringing players in, uh, making a competitive squad, but then he's also tried to focus on a, a longer and, well, medium and longer term kind of solution for the club um, in terms of setting up new departments, scouting, recruitment, which just weren't there when he came into the club. Yeah, definitely. This summer, well, last summer, he had to come in a firefight. But also during that period, over the last six or seven months or whatever since he's been here, he's also tried to create a structure by bringing in Jared Dublin, Brian Carey, which I think the project, as they would call it, inside house, we'd say a plan, whatever we want to call it, will actually starts for us to see from next summer. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, which all sounds pretty exciting. All sounds, you know, I, I, I'd struggle to find anyone who went to that evening last night who wasn't in, in kind of like almost inspired by Jared and Brian and their plan. I mean, do you think that's fair, Matt? I, I thought they came across really well. Yeah, you know, like I mean, to be honest, all three of them come across well. You know, Mark Mark Bowen comes across well, and it's what just he wants from Mark a lot. That's really, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like so, but but yeah, you know th- th- those two do bring bring a lot of confidence in kind of the structure that we want to build going forwards. I mean, the three of them seem coherent in what they want to build at Reading. You know, we've heard it a couple of times now across the season from from Bowen on the type of club he wants to build um, here at Reading, um, the structure, the 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 formula for that. I just hope he's given that ability to do that because there's kind of one overriding factor above him, sadly, which um, complicates things a bit. So I, I guess just to 
talk about some of the clubs that Bowen was saying that we could look to be not necessarily emulate, but that we should be aspiring to get to that kind of point. And he spoke quite, you know, there was praise of Ipswich currently in League One who are getting 20,000 20, crowds, young manager playing very attractive attacking football. Yes, it's taken them four or five years to get to this point, but I guess that was what he was alluding to in terms of a longer term plan. Um, but also he spoke about Preston, Coventry, Luton, who've all managed to get, you know, a upper half playoff pushing finish this season, multiple seasons now for some of them um, with a relatively low budget, um, which was encouraging to hear that it's not just a case of like, we just want to spend our way out of trouble every single time. Um, the first question or one of the questions that came up, Matt, was around Paul Ince inevitably and kind of what role Mark Bowen had. So, I mean, if we look back to when Paul Ince was given the full-time job last summer, Mark Bowen very flat out said, I didn't have any choice in it. He'd already signed the contract um, weeks before Mark Bowen was hired. When it came to him being released, I got the impression that Mark Bowen wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Paul Ince in terms of his football this season. Um, but ultimately, he didn't have the last say in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he didn't directly answer it. But I think certainly from the vibe and kind of what, what Mark did say um, about Paul Ince, there, there seemed to be a, a slight amount of tension there. And unfortunately, um, well, I mean, there's been rumours circulating on Twitter, obviously, on how soon... Bowen wanted to, or how long ago, I should say, Bowen wanted to get rid of Ince. Um, it certainly seems like that final say of who's hired, who's fired and everything on that role lies with the owner, sadly, at the moment, which, you know, we, we've we've seen this time and time again with the owner keeping managers in for longer than they wanted to. Valko Paunovic last year, handing resignation in, not accepting it for four weeks, you know, um, that's the kind of decision that Mark Bowen should be in charge of. But like we say, unfortunately, he's got somebody over and above him that seemingly doesn't want to relinquish that. I think we all respect that the owner is going to have the final say. We we understand that. It was exactly the same under Medeski. But the problem is, Mark says he's very low. And I respect that. He speaks to him. He's in contact with him. I don't know how often, let's say daily or weekly. I don't know. I think he said fairly irregularly, he said, in terms okay. of speaking. So not that often, but far more than us. Let's put it that way. And um, it's the time between dis decision-making and the delay. You, you kind of like, sometimes with managers and owners, they can take a little bit too long to make the curl. Well, that's essentially what it is. But the problem is with Die Young, it can go on for months too long. And, and that's really catastrophic. And there's, that's there's across multiple all times. decisions. Mm. I think for me, the the history of what Dai Young has had in, in the past with, you know, firing managers and things, um, it, it definitely is an issue. What we hope, I guess, for the future is that, yes, Dai Young might have the final say, but the people that he's listening to, the people that are basically advising him on what to do, Mark Bowen becomes that voice in his ear. And Mark Bowen is the person who is is leading him and telling him, yeah, you should hire this manager. Yeah, you should fire this manager. Ultimately, we're not going to know whether that's the case until potentially, 
you know, two managers or three managers down the line, maybe. We don't know. That underpins everything that we heard last night, wasn't it, really? Because it was all great hearing from these three people who are massively important to the club. But if they aren't listened to by Die Young and given the tools to actually work properly going forward or the trust and respect, it's going to be very difficult. Because I, I look at them last night and I think these are the three people that we'd want. I think if they were given trust, I, I think they could really build something quite good. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It, in in the way that they all spoke, it was very encouraging to hear like that would be the way that the, the, the way the club is going to run. It, it sounds very different. It, the the words that Mark Boeing kept kind of repeating were that we were going to become a process driven club, and that for the last four, five, six years, however long Dai Young's been here by this point. We've been a very reactive club. We've always been reacting to whatever the situation is. We've fired this manager. Okay, we're going to get this manager in. We've fired this manager. We're going to get that manager in. Oh, we're about to get relegated. We'll get these players in to try and help us on loan. Um, it, it's never been like a process. It's never been, okay, what are we going to look like in 12 months' time? Where are we going to be in 18 months, 24 months? It might not be exact, but you, like there's, for the last five or six years, there's been no kind of plan in place at all for that. At the very least, we're getting to the point where it sounds like there's something in place for two years down the line, four years down the line. Whether that actually is going to be the case is, you know, something that we'll find out in time. But I don't think it's something that we can necessarily judge right now, unfortunately. No, definitely. I mean, they said that themselves. We'll have to wait for another three or four years to see the results. And one thing um, I will say, they all sounded very committed when they were asked that question there was no hesitation uh, they almost uh, they weren't offended by the question but it was almost like why are you even asking that is it like i don't want to project that as if they were being negative it was a positive as a fan to see how they look so committed do you, do you think that's fair matt yeah, I mean, they weren't going to come out and say that, yeah, no, I'm off next week, are, were they? <laughs> no, it's true, but I didn't feel like it was insincere. That, no, that's no, no, no. And, and you know, joking joking aside, all three of them, you know, seem very kind of sold by the Reading project. Um, you know, both both um, Dublin and um, Carey both mentioned when, when they came into the club, you know, Mark was pretty much the ultimate salesman to them both, you know, selling them the club, um, the vision, the identity they want to build going forwards, the facilities that are already in place, you know, the training ground. Um, so, I mean, it's positive on that side that, you know, that we we, we can still, we, we might be in a bad situation at the moment, but there are still a lot of po positives around the football club at the moment that's going to bring in good people into the club like like um, like Jared and uh, and Brian. So yeah, hope, hopefully you know they they'll be you know key key members of the rebuild of this club in the years going forwards. Yeah, one thing that they they all mentioned, um, which was a big attraction to them, was the academy in terms of bringing them to the club and, and wanting them to like wanting to join the club, and and it was something that they all said it makes their jobs much easier having a having a successful academy and obviously having youth players that are coming through um you know into first teams and, and getting regular minutes it it can only make your job as a football club easier right because you're able to sell these players and again that's something that Bowen touched on last night is he wants Reading to become a selling club 
And ultimately, you have to be a selling club if you're a championship team. It's the only way to be successful. Um, but yeah, they all mention the academy multiple times in terms of how much easier it will make their job if the academy is a success. And Bowen touched Matt, of course, about the fact that we're currently a Category 2 academy and we lost Category 1 last summer. And that was kind of a big blow, I think, to the football club at the time. And it sounds like there's been a lot of work to get that kind of you know, category one status back this year. A lot of hard work has been done in the background to, to kind of bring it back up to that level. And the auditors have been into the club and seen them and they are currently awaiting the results. And it, you you think it's going to have to be a, a real, like real fuck up here to not get category one back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, there was that positive report that came out as well um, uh, about a month back or so, wasn't it? After the, I think the auditors had 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 come in, local media broke that it seemed very positive. Certainly from you know the way that Mark and everyone spoke last night, it sounds very much like you know the auditors were glowing with praise. So you, we'd hope that 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 status will come back next season. Um, it's a bit, it's a massive thing if it does because it makes like. Does it actually do anything really for like the games and stuff that that, that the players play in? Probably not because, you know, yes, you're going to be playing against, you know, City's Academy and Man United's Academy and bloody all, all, all of all of those ones. But the biggest thing is obviously for player retention, I think, and young player retention. Um, the fact that, you know, compensation and stuff needs to be paid, it just helps that cash flow into the club, which, you know, which we've just not got at the moment. Um and hopefully, um, it sounds like they're starting to build out a structure as well for for player loans, which is good, you know, because again, that's something that has been massively neglected over 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 the past few years, loaning out players, getting them the experience to actually be able to come back and play in our first team and become those players we can then sell. And one of the things that um, Bowen mentioned, Paul, was around kind of player development into our first team and how it's going to be very important that whoever the next manager is kind of has a, a a bigger not saying necessarily full but a bigger emphasis on on youth players and, and bringing players and developing them through the academy because he spoke a little bit about um kelvin big kelvin big kelv whatever name we're going with, he I wasn't know. actually able to confirm how that's pronounced did yeah, he he was asked but um yeah he played the welsh card on that one so we'll, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep trying every time somebody speaks to the club to get them to confirm it um but yeah, he he did mention did mention Big Calv around how he's come into the side, but he's not necessarily kind of lit the world on fire because ultimately he hasn't been involved in the first team this season. So yes, he's come in and yes, he's playing, but these players need minutes if they're going to develop. Yeah, they talked a lot about the blend between the team of being experienced players and young players and that mid-range. You need that. But the focus for the club and for them must be to bring through as many academy players as possible. So you want a manager that's going to come in. We'll talk about the search, which they mentioned as well. Um, because if you have those young players coming in, making an impact, they can do one or two things. A, they can fill the places that you need at that team, whatever league that you're in, or they can be too good for you and you can sell them at a massive profit. And ultimately, that's what we've missed over the last, well, five, six, seven, I don't know how many years now. And the one that we had, we sold for too cheap, but let's not go, let's not get involved in that. So I, I feel very infused by the plan. Uh, I feel that the fact that we'll be signing these academy players 
and they'll be coming into a system that has players like uh, has a system that has Carey and Dublin there. I feel that you'd want to come to Reading and that's got to be an attractive situation for us moving forwards because we've just got to keep that flow of cash. And I think these guys are the right ones to do that. And I know you mentioned the manager search, Paul, and Owen kind of touched on that last night and he said there's been 40 to 50 applicants and already for this role, um, mainly kind of agent pushed managers on Tim so far. Um, I don't think it doesn't sound like there's a, a particular short list as of yet from what I could tell. And the one thing that I kind of took away from it, and maybe I'm wrong here, but this is the my takeaway was it doesn't sound like it's just going to be falling into Noel Hunt's hands if we stay up necessarily. No, and I agree that should be the process. There should be a proper process, which Mark Bowen was talking about. We need to go through the right system. Um, he did mention there were some top, top managers in there. Now, I think this is all relative, <laughs> as always. So let's not start getting silly and like thinking, being disappointed by someone who comes in who we don't know, but they could be brilliant, as in might have heard of them, some people who watch a lot of football and listen to it. But yeah, the Knicks manager is always massive at Reading, always. But I think with the reset, if you come in now, as they called it, both Carey and Dublin, I think there's a real opportunity to be, to be there at the beginning. And you could almost be the Alan Pardew. You could be the person who comes in, who sets up the foundations and may even stay even longer because it, that's an exciting prospect for a manager to come in. Because if you look at Reading in League One, we're, we're not the smallest team by a long way. And we're, we're not the biggest, but we're not the smallest. Yeah, you, you, I mean, they, they kind of said it's turning the oil tank around, right? But might uh, not... hang on. By the way, I do hope we stay in the championship. <laughs> I would like to add that. But just <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would make life much easier, I'm sure, yeah. for them. Um, yeah, they, they did mention around the fact that it's kind of turning the oil tank around. So it, it's not a case of just like appointing a manager and, hey, presto, all of a sudden we're, you know, competing at the top of whatever league we're in. It, it, is, a, it is a longer process than that. But, you know, making the right manager choices has got to be one of the first and, you know, most critical things that they can get. So um, we'll move on, Matt. Because after the break, it was Jared Dublin, Brian Carey, both kind of were joined on stage um, by Mark Bowen as well to, to answer questions around kind of what they've done and who they are. Because ultimately, I don't think anybody outside the club's necessarily heard that much from them. Um, Brian Carey, just to give a bit of background, bought in from Spurs. Uh, he's been bought in as head of recruitment and Jared Dublin has been brought in from Sheffield United where he was there for the last, I want to say four or five years Um, previously worked outside of football before that with Google and somebody else, which name completely escapes me. Um, And yeah, both of them were very kind of, I I was just really interested in listening to both of them. Um, they, They really just encouraged me listening to them and hearing them talk around how, it, it was Mark Bowen who sold them the, I guess, sold them the dream of coming to Reading, you know. And um, one of the one of the words that Jared used was around the fact that it's a it's a project and that's exciting. That's what you want in football because there's going to be twelve or thirteen players, he said, who are very unlikely to be at Reading next year in the first team, and it gives you a blank slate. It's a project, and when you're working within football it's a rare opportunity that you have that you can come into a club and you are basically given almost free reign to go out and make the squad what you want it to look like, right? Yeah, no, of course. And 
I mean, so many times when you come into a club, like you say, you're almost taking over a pre-built philosophy, a pre-built identity. And so you're having to follow in someone else's footsteps. Well, these two guys have got their chance to actually build that footstep, build that ethos and kind of way of playing the, the, the club identity from the ground up. Like you say, it, it, it's it's as blank a slate as you can get. You know, so the fact that those two, that's kind of what they wanted um, and really excited by, um, I think it's really, really good. And, you know, um, I mean, you you look at their experiences and, I mean, you know, you look at Brian Carey at Tottenham for all of six years or whatever it was, you know, it, it's it's really, it's comforting that we can have someone like that in charge of in charge of scouting because you know like let's let's not beat around the bush here there's quite a big difference between Tottenham and Reading right you know um it'll be interesting to see how he adapts into a role like Reading compared to a Premier League role you know because we've seen people come into the club uh previously from high esteemed roles at some very notable Premier League clubs we won't name any names and you know falling flat flat on their fat face but um but yeah you know there was I think there was there was definitely in the room there was massive positivity listening to those those two talking, um, which again is just really good to to experience. Yeah, one of the best lines when they were talking about recruitment was when Brian Carey says we don't want to sign any dickheads. I mean, this is exactly what you're looking for as a fan, isn't it? I mean, it's only ultimately... Andrew Bakunas. <laughs> well, let's not get involved in names, but we don't want any um, of those people at the club, however good they are. You can't be dealing with those personalities because it will cause problems. And Brian mentioned a few times, Paul, around how, you know, so much of what he's going to be doing is, is assessing character and making sure that the fit is right for the club. And, the, and you know, both the club are right for the player, but also the player is right for the club. And it has to be, you know, a, essentially kind of a, a marriage both ways. It isn't just a case of like, oh, there's a good player. Because as he said yesterday, we can all watch a football game and point out a good player, but is it is the football player right for the club? Is that it is a whole other question, right? Yeah, totally. We've seen that with multiple players at Reading over the last well, in our lifetime. We've all seen players who've come in and then gone to another club and done really well. I would say someone like Oliver Norwood. Here's someone who's like clearly a good player. He had a fantastic well career since he's left us, but just didn't work here. Um well, I wouldn't say not work, but he didn't work as well, didn't maximize his ability. Yeah, I I really do feel that they've got the right system set up. And going back to what Matt just said there about Brian coming in and used to be at Tottenham, I totally get that. But having Jared there, who's worked at Sheffield United as well, I think that's that nice balancing act. He's seen the other side. I'm pretty sure he was there when they were in League One. So I think you know. he was either there in the year that they got promoted from League One or the year after, yeah. Yeah, so he's been in that environment working and kind of like knowing what, how the players work. I mean, he talked about, you know, if you have a squad for next season, they have to be playing games that are not just playing well when they're playing at home, but also when you go away to Morecambe. Because if you're in League One, which, yeah, again, I say I hope we're not, if we are, it's a very different game. That Those are his words. So, I mean, we we can discuss Jared Bowen Jared Bowen, what I'm talking about, Jared Dublin. Getting getting multiple people mixed up here. Jared Dublin, um, personally, was I found him fascinating to listen to. Um, it, it, it very he very much came across as like a modern football scout, if that makes sense, Matt, to me. 
Uh, yeah. he, he mentioned about the fact that data is really important, but then also Bowen did drop him in it by saying he hadn't got home until 2am the morning before because he'd been watching Plymouth versus Bristol Rovers. So it, like, it, it feels like the, he gets it. He, he gets that scouting is a blend of, you know, watching players, but also, you know, identifying players from using data. Who who do you think he was watching in that Plymouth Bristol Rovers match? Don't want to start speculating, but <laughs> no, it, it's 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 really good just seeing seeing this almost like you say modern mix and kind of I thought his whole it was seventy percent seventy percent real time watching thirty percent data driven. It's it's good to see people with, with with that sort of philosophy, but also kind of actually what he talks about kind of his his previous roles in you know the likes of google and stuff before football how that's kind of helped him and kind of helped adapt his work within football because i i don't think you probably actually have that many scouts that probably have been in that kind of normal I world think, kind of i i think this it's a really interesting one and, and probably one which we're not going to be able to fully you know delve into right now but it's something where if you look at teams who are doing successful currently they're teams who are building with people who are coming in from outside of football and they're using different methods, different methodologies. It isn't a case of relying solely on, you know, having 15 scouts who are going out to watch 15 different matches every Saturday. Mm. They're relying on modern tools. They're relying on, you know, new metrics. I know some people out there don't think, you know, expected goals is a, is a thing, but people are using it in, to, to help scouting. I know Jared mentioned expected threat last night, which is probably, you know, it's it's quite a modern uh, new new thing. It's it's not necessarily one which you would have heard of 10, 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. it, it it's it's one that successful, I guess, in inverted commas, modern clubs are doing. They, they're bringing people in from outside of football to try and revolutionise the way that they work. To it's... think that we could be successful without the data now would be incredibly naive and it's just not going to work. It just would not work for us. I mean, you look at the clubs that have really mastered this, which you've mentioned earlier, Brighton and Brentford. I mean, you, you can't you can't dismiss that. If you've seen successful clubs like that, you've got to have that. And they also mentioned how they're always trying to improve the department, the recruitment department, by getting in things. So they said, mentioned some dated things that they had at Sheffield United that we don't have, and they're trying to push to have that at Reading. I mean, hopefully they do. I think these would be great people to use it. So, yeah, go on, Matt. It's just about getting getting the right mix of all different brands of scouting, right? You know, there's not one size fits all. You know, you're not going to be able to... And again, it's something that Jared said last night. You know, you can't you can't get a full image of a player by just watching them on the afternoon or just looking at their stats. You know, it's about creating that, that funnel of, of, um, of prospects and then profiling them, detailing them, making sure that, 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 like you say, you analyze all of their demeanors and body languages on the pitch, you know? Um, and it's just really refreshing kind of hearing that mix. Cause I, I guess it, it, it might sound a bit kind of like, well, isn't that what football clubs should do? But let's be honest, Reading haven't had this for years, seemingly, pretty much since since, since the days of um, Nicky Hammond being in the club, you know, and heading up that. Probably Brian Tevridan actually saying that following him. But um, yeah, that was, that was short-lived. It's very easy for results outside the football club and say, why don't they do this and why don't they do that? But, mm. you know, we are outsiders at the end of the day. And if the club don't do it, the club don't do it. Um, it's 
it's very difficult to kind of influence them to do the right thing in inverted commas um paul the the one thing that i was kind of encouraged by which which brian carey and jared dublin both mentioned is that they they both kind of spoke around the fact that they joined because of things like the training ground because of things like the academy um and when you hear jared dublin mentioning around the uh the training facilities he said that you know bearwood compared to sheffield united's training facilities like night and day and the resources available at reading are are good quality they are you know up there in the upper echelons of what he's seen um and and that can only be a good thing right that's why it's so frustrating isn't it because we know we've got the setup there we know if we'd done all these things correctly we'd be in such a better place but we can't go into that if we just look at what we've got now we have got a, a better starting point now we haven't got the complete right recruiting system we haven't got the foundations of the club all set up perfectly but they all know that you know mark burns under no illusions that they've still got a lot of work to do one of the key things that i found really encouraging from last night was the fact that they want to set up the club so it doesn't matter who the manager is we're just going to have a process that means that we have players in and then we find a manager that fits that instead of like jumping around of styles all the time yeah I'm, I'm, that's that's definitely one of the most encouraging things that reading up a kind of a process club rather than a, a reaction club i think um that that was definitely one of my main takeaways from it last night um i think that's pretty much it from last night paul unless you've got any other like burning takeaways matt no no it was like 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 i say i think i think the i just hope these three are given the the means for success and they're given the actual responsibility to drive success you know it's all well and well and good mr Dai being an owner um, and wanting control but you know if 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 you can't sell a ship you're not going to be the captain of it are you you know you're going to employ somebody to 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 sail the ship for you you're not going to do it yourself so just you know like let them yeah. sail yeah <laughs> yeah yeah let yeah. the wind I, take them on their journey that's what we <laughs> want isn't it Absolutely. yeah there was a line that Boeing used and he said that he keeps on saying to both Jared and Brian that it's like trying to turn an old tank around. And it is like that, I would imagine, from inside the club. But you, we will get there with these guys, I'm certain, at some point. they will. Whatever happens, I'm very, very confident they're going to give absolutely everything. I don't think they will leave any stone unturned. And that's what we can ask for, isn't it? Patience needed, though, right? I think it's yeah, probably exactly. one of the key, key messages. It's not happening today. It's not happening tomorrow. But, you know, give it 12 months, give it 18 months, and hopefully we'll look a different club. Trust the process, I think the phrase is. <laughs> that, that should be the motto for next year's season ticket. If you're listening <laughs> out there, Reading FC, trust the process. Um, just want to say again, really good really good event. Um, great job done by, by Star. Great job done by Nick hosting last night. Um, really hope that, you know, more events can be put on like that because having that open to, to everybody who isn't necessarily in Star was fantastic to be able to to go along i'm not currently a member so it was fantastic to be able to go along um would heavily recommend it if you can get down to another event that they do because yeah yesterday was really good we'll be back well i say we'll be back i think actually we're gonna be pretty much going straight into the next thing uh today next podcast recording 
I'm going there's to record another podcast in about 45 minutes. So. Yeah, there's a preview which will be live on your podcast feeds as soon as you finish listening to this one, previewing the absolutely massive must-win championship for now, Reading FC, playing against Wigan this weekend um, with Paul and Matt and James and a Wigan fan. Um, go and listen to it. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, drop us a five-star review. Um, and we will speak to you all very, very soon. Cheers.